0: what is it about christmas that you love is it the lights is it driving around seeing all the decorations maybe it's the music or how about the food maybe it's something a little less tangible something you honestly can't even wrap your arms around maybe you're one of those people who just feels like every year around christmas time life just feels a little bit simpler everything feels a little lighter a little happier it's like no matter how tough life has been this year no matter what you've been through at christmas you just get this feeling that everything can be set right again and we all know that life is way more complicated than those hallmark christmas movies you're watching right now but isn't there a part of you that wants to believe maybe it isn't maybe your complicated life could be simpler just because it's christmas or maybe it's completely different for you you're a little more cynical Maybe you resent that kind of naive, feel-good nostalgia that everyone seems to hold on to at Christmas. Maybe you think all these emotions and feelings are just being manufactured by corporations to sell more products and make a little profit. For you, Christmas is just another day. And it's a little frustrating how everyone pretends there's something magical about some colored lights, cranberry sauce, and some old boring movies we're all forced to watch over and over again. But regardless of how you feel about Christmas, Have you ever noticed how you spend most of the holidays rushing around trying to recreate or manufacture some kind of experience that you want for yourself or your family? By the end of the season, you're just exhausted, and it's never quite as good as you hoped it would be, or it's never as good as you remember it being as a kid. Or maybe the holidays bring up this feeling of loss or sadness inside you because you don't get to spend them with the ones you love. And every Christmas, every holiday get-together is just a reminder of what you've lost and you have this deep longing for something you just can never get back again. So you're in this lousy middle kind of place where Christmas brings up those feelings of nostalgia and longing and excitement, but in the end, it just never quite delivers the way you thought it would. And if you're feeling any of that this holiday season, I hope you'll stick with us throughout this video because here at Community Christian Anywhere, we know that life can be complicated, difficult and plain tiring, but we found a life in Jesus that is full of meaning and joy and rest. And we believe this life is available to anyone who wants it, no matter what you believe about Jesus right now. Because no matter what you think about God, I believe he can't stop thinking about you. He only has good in mind for you. And we want to help you find the amazing life God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Benjamin and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere.
1: So why do we feel all this longing? and nostalgia within us. Well, I believe it's because those feelings we get every holiday season, they're signals within us, pointing us to a life we were made for that we've never really experienced. It's like we're longing for a home that we've never lived in, something that we feel that we need and it's missing, but we just can't put our finger on what it is. And I believe that those longings within us were put there by the God who made us. And they're designed to point us toward Him, the one in whom our hearts were meant to dwell. And that's why Christmas is so important. See, this is the season of the year when we remember that the home we're all longing for, the thing that we all feel is missing inside of us, came to us, came into our world. Jesus, the Son of God, the one we were made to live with. He came to us and he brought heaven to earth. See, most of us live with this idea that heaven is some mystical place way off in the clouds somewhere that we can hopefully get to one day after we're dead. We think it's this actual place where God lives, but it's so much more than that. Heaven is life with God. Wherever God is, that's heaven. So when Jesus, who is God in a human body, came into the world 2,000 years ago, he brought heaven with him because God had come to dwell with people just like he had intended from the very beginning. So throughout all these stories that we have of Jesus' life, we see men and women interacting with him, and whenever they do, they experience heaven, life with God. They experience all the deepest longings and desires of their hearts, finding their home in Jesus. And I believe that the best way for you to encounter this holiday season is to prepare your heart to encounter Jesus. That this Christmas, you would allow heaven to enter into your life. And by doing that, you would find that those deepest longings that you feel that nothing in this world or this life can satisfy, you would find them satisfied in Jesus. And As you allow Jesus to make his home within you this Christmas, you'll find heaven being brought into your home, into your marriage, into your parenting, your neighborhood, your workplace. And when the decorations are all packed away, the presents have all been opened and the last slice of pie has been eaten, you'll look back on this Christmas season a little differently than in years past. You'll finally, truly, get the most out of Christmas. Now, I'll bet for some of you, everything that I just said, it kind of gave you this feeling on the inside that you might describe like eager anticipation. It's kind of like, wow, that all sounds wonderful. That whole finding a home in Jesus and experiencing the deepest longings of my heart thing sounds great, and I so wish that that were true. But come live in my world for five minutes. Come see things through my eyes and, well, you'll see. That's not reality. There's not a lot of evidence of heaven breaking through into my world. And you might be surprised to hear me say what I'm about to say, but you're probably right. (laughs) But here's all that means. You are in the perfect position to experience God breaking through into his world. You are the perfect candidate to see the wonder of Christmas. Now, how can I say that? Because you have a lot in common with the people who experienced the very first Christmas. See, what you may not realize is that you actually possess the first thing you need to get the most out of Christmas. And it's the thing that I wanna talk to you about today. I wanna talk to you about hope. Now, let me take you back in time And when I say back in time, I mean way back before any of the events that you've probably become familiar with surrounding the Christmas story. Before the shepherds, before the wise men, before the angels and the announcement, before the baby lying in the manger, even before Mary was told by the angel that she was pregnant, way, way back to the very beginning when God created the very first human beings and God was with them. See, there was no heaven and earth the way that we experience it now. Heaven and earth were commingled; They were together because that's where God was. The kingdom of God was right here among the people that God had made. But you're probably familiar with the story that happens next. Human beings, well, they were tempted by the enemy of God to go and set up their own kingdom. In essence, people decided that living with God wasn't enough for them. They wanted to be their own God, so they rebelled. And heaven and earth split apart, bringing with it all the consequences that come when people choose to live apart from God. Death, sin, chaos, sickness, destruction. But as you and I both know, God is love. It's it's his very nature. And so God would not give up on his project of being with his people, even if they continued to reject his plan and his design. And so God made a promise. He said he would begin a rescue mission to draw human beings back into relationship with him so that once again, heaven and earth would exist together. Now in your Bible, in the book of Genesis, God makes this strange statement to the enemy who tempted his people to rebel. And for generations, people really wondered what it meant. And here's what God said. He said, I will cause hostility between you and woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So there was an offspring of the woman a flesh-and-blood human being who would one day defeat the enemy who spoiled God's creation project. But it wouldn't come without a fight or without a cost. And like I said, for a long time, people wondered what this promise from God really meant and how God was going to fix the problem. How would God once again dwell with His people and bring heaven and earth back together again? But for several hundred years, it seemed like nothing was happening. Like, well, God was kind of silent. Until one day, God spoke to one man. His name was Abraham. And he told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to build a nation of people through you and through your descendants. Even though Abraham and his wife were well into their twilight years and they didn't have any kids. And God said, this nation, this is how I'm going to bless the entire world and bring creation back together, back to me. And it happened just like God promised. For the next several centuries, a nation did grow from Abraham's family. But this nation, they had a strange name. It was called the nation of Israel. And the reason I say it's a strange name is because of what the word Israel really means. The word Israel means one who wrestles with God. And Let me tell you, Israel definitely lived up to that name. Generation after generation would follow. They would go after God. They would follow His ways, and then they would turn their backs on God. They would go the other way. But God would constantly bless them, and He would plead with them to cooperate. And Israel would always find new ways, worse ways, to rebel. But God never gave up through these never-ending wrestling matches. Even when Israel found herself enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, God stepped in. He rescued them. He set them up in their own homeland. He gave them laws to live by. He gave them a temple that illustrated God's desire to come and live among his people, even if it was just a small taste of what God's ultimate intention had been in the beginning. But even then, Israel would just rebel and they would stray away from God again. So God began to send prophets to his people to just remind them that his plan was still in place. He had not forgotten his promise. Someone was still coming to rescue God's people and bring them back together again. Now one of those prophets was a guy named Isaiah. He started to reveal more details about who this person was and what God's coming into the world was going to look like. And Isaiah said things like this. He said, look the virgin she will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. See God's coming into the world to dwell with His people again would be through a child born of a virgin. I mean, who'd ever heard of such a thing? And again, people kind of wondered, what does all that mean? But Isaiah, he would prophesy even more specific details about who this child was that was coming.
0: Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory." Notice this amazing little detail here. Isaiah is pinpointing the exact location where the child will be born, right down to the specific region and a specific area where a specific road runs. He goes on, "'The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Israel began to refer to this coming child as their Messiah, their deliverer. And here, Isaiah says that not only will he be sent by God to rescue people, he will be God himself. Those names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, those are names that only God has. And you'll notice things are getting pretty specific now. God's plan is slowly starting to take shape, but it's even more amazing than that. Another prophet named Micah was given a word from God. Look at what he said. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf." Now, here's why this is so interesting. Micah here says the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but not just Bethlehem, a specific Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Here's why that's so amazing. You know how in our country you can have cities and lots of states with the same name? Like there's a Columbus in Georgia and a Columbus in Ohio. There are probably dozens of cities all over our country who have the exact same name. Well, the same was true in Israel. So when Micah the prophet predicts the birthplace of the Messiah, he narrows it down to the town and he is precisely specific. And this little town of Bethlehem was a pretty insignificant place. I mean, why would God choose to come there? Years later, another prophet named Jeremiah would begin to foretell about the Messiah. He said this, For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land." So now, we not only are told the who and the where, Jeremiah tells us what family line the Messiah will come from. It's like he pulls up the family tree on Ancestry.com and points right to the branch and says, this is the family the Messiah is coming from. But then something very odd happens. After all of these prophets make all of these predictions about how God is going to complete his rescue plan of bringing heaven and earth back together and once again dwell with his people, how God is coming to earth in the form of this child, born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem from the family of David. Guess what happens next? Nothing. If you're familiar with the Bible, you probably know there's what's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is the part we've been talking about so far creation the nation of israel the prophecies and the promises of the coming messiah and then there's the new testament and that's the story of jesus starting with what happened at the first christmas but have you ever stopped to think about what was happening in those one or two blank pages between the old and new testaments in your bible well it was about 400 years of silence no words from god no promises no god interacting with his people no nothing just Silence. In fact, from the first page of the New Testament, back to when Jeremiah made his prediction about the Messiah's family tree, that was 600 years. When Isaiah said a child would be born of a virgin, 700 years. And when Micah pointed to Bethlehem on the map, 800 years. And when God first announced his rescue plan in the book of Genesis, 1500 years. And and me? I get impatient having to wait an extra 30 seconds at a traffic light. But after a promise that was made 1500 years before, after prophecies that were spoken 600, 700, 800 years earlier, and after God goes completely silent over 400 years, something happens.
1: God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant Of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. and You are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And you know the rest of the story. Jesus is born, God in the flesh, and heaven came to earth. Through his life and through his ministry, Jesus would show us what it looks like when God dwells with his people. Sickness and disease are healed. Relationships are restored. Enemies live together as friends. Justice is done. Love is shown to every single person. Racial, ethnic hostility is done away with. Poverty is eliminated. The hungry are fed. Sins are forgiven. And most importantly, death is defeated. Death just becomes another transition of life. Now, you remember earlier when I said to you that maybe you're in that place where you don't feel all that much like God is breaking through in this world at Christmas time, where the deepest longings and desires of your heart that come through Jesus, they may not seem like they're with you right now. And then I told you that you were in the perfect place to experience that. Now, the reason I can say that is because you are in the exact same place that Mary and Joseph and the entire nation of Israel found themselves on that very first Christmas night. They'd heard hundreds, thousands of years of prophecies and promises. And on the first Christmas, all they had was hope. But hope was all that they needed. See, all human beings, we're all wired to hope hope is what pushes us forward it's what keeps us going in fact you can put a person into the most dire situation where they endure the worst kind of suffering that you can even imagine and they can still persevere through it they can move through it as long as they have hope for their future for something better on the other side but the moment you take hope away from someone everything else is lost Now, like I said in the beginning of this message, a lot of us spend our Christmas hoping for a lot of things to happen. We hope to grab hold of a feeling or an experience or a sense of nostalgia of an ideal Christmas that we once knew or of a perfect holiday season that we've seen in a movie or we've just imagined in our minds. And somehow it always comes up short. And the reason it comes up short is simple you're placing your hope in something rather than someone. So when you hope in something, you'll always find yourself disappointed. You'll always be let down. But when your hope is in someone, and when I say someone, I mean the perfect someone, Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God who is here with us. Well, that hope, it never disappoints. See, you and me, we're in one of those in-between ages of history. We're in an era where a lot of the time it feels like God has gone silent. When We hear people talking about how the world just keeps going downhill. It gets worse all the time. And sometimes you're tempted to lose hope, just like the nation of Israel was tempted. Just like Mary and Joseph and all of those people living in the first century were tempted. But then... At just the right time, God broke into his world, and Jesus brought heaven with him. And after Jesus began God's rescue project of setting things right again, after Jesus had tasted death and then defeated it and left the grave empty, he said to his followers, he said to you, he said to me, now go, spread the good news. God has come into this world. And you teach every single person in every nation and every ethnic group to do everything that I've commanded you to do, to love in the same way that I've loved you. And as you go, well, I'll be with you every step of the way. And you can hold on to the hope of knowing that after this era of history is through, even though it might feel like a long moment of silence, I'll come again, but this time, For good and the plan will finally come to its completion and God will finally once again be with his people you know in the very final pages of the Bible there was a man named John he had witnessed the death and the resurrection of Jesus and then he saw what all of this that I'm talking about was gonna look like and just like those prophets way back in the Old Testament he made this prediction here's what he said He said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. See, just as sure as Jesus was born into that manger on the first Christmas morning, and He fulfilled all the prophecies written hundreds of years before, Jesus will fulfill this one too. But in the meantime, we hope. But our hope is not in vain. Because it is not in something. It is in someone.
0: The invitation of Christmas is the invitation to find your home in the God who made you, to place all of your hopes, all of your desires, and all of your longings in the only one who is able to satisfy your deepest needs. We we don't have to search for meaning, for satisfaction, and things that only offer temporary relief, and they ultimately let us down. We can find our soul's purpose and rest in the God with whom we were meant to dwell. And here at Community Christian, we want to help you do that. Because the invitation of Jesus is not to a private, isolated spirituality, but a full heart, mind, and body experience of life in the community of God. That's why we often say that for this video to be more than just another piece of content you consume, it has to be a doorway into a community that you can be committed to. So I wanna invite you to text the words next step to the number on screen. And if you do, someone from our team will reach out and help you figure out what your next step with God in our community is. The life of meaning and purpose that Jesus offers is a journey alongside brothers and sisters who can encourage and strengthen each other. And we want to help walk alongside you and God as you find all that he has in mind for you. So please text the words next step to the number on screen and we'll reach out to you. But no matter what you do, I hope you leave knowing that Christmas is the proof that no matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you.